We are fascinated by things that grow. As a matter of fact, I don't know a single child who has not heard a hundred times, oh, how much you have grown. It seems to fascinate people. And one thing that really fascinates me, and I think many others, is how the value of things increase over time. Let's just take for an example that if you bought Apple stock when it was first released to the public, let's say you put in a whole $100, that would be worth $16,100 today. And that is just really amazing, isn't it? That something could grow that much over time. Well, today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that talks about an even more remarkable growth, the growth of the kingdom of God. Let's look at these few verses here in Luke chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verse 18 and down through verse 21. Listen as I read from God's word. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nest uh, in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. Thus ends the reading of our text. Let's pray and ask that God will bless us as we think about the growth of the kingdom of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for letting us study your word. And even as we study your word today, we are aware that your kingdom has grown to the point that we can now listen or watch from the comfort of our home or our car or as we're jogging or walking along and this is really amazing, and we're thankful for it. We pray that your Spirit will help the one who listens today, that they will hear what is said, that they will understand and believe it, and that your Spirit will change them through it. And I pray, Lord, that you will help me. Lord, I want to honor you, and I want to encourage others. May your Spirit superintend that process, even now, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I know that this is a very short passage, but these two parables, short as they may be, are actually found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I think they're very helpful for giving us perspective about a couple of aspects about the kingdom of God. Here, Jesus talks about the kingdom, and we're going to look at it under two headings. The first thing we want to see is the expansive nature of the kingdom. And secondly, we want to look at the pervasive nature of the kingdom, the expansive nature of the kingdom and the pervasive nature of the kingdom. First of all, the expansive nature of the kingdom. We see that here in the parable about the mustard seed that grows into a tree. Whenever we see this, I want us to see that this is in continuity with what we looked at last week. If you didn't uh, join us for last week's message, we looked at a wonderful story where Jesus healed a woman who had some kind of back issue that caused her to be bent over for 18 years. And we looked last week at the reality that most people would look 
right past this suffering woman, and especially considering that Jesus saw her on the Sabbath day, which was a time that many felt that you couldn't even do acts of mercy uh, or compassion to others. But we see that Jesus does this. And so here, as Luke puts these parables, right after that story, he's showing us that even healing a woman who had been infirm for 18 years is a small begin beginning that will lead to great things. When Jesus tells this story, I want us to understand that what Jesus says is a surprise to those who would have listened. You see, the faithful people of God, the Jews, uh, during the first century when Jesus lived, were expecting the kingdom of God, but they were not expecting it to come in a small way. They were expecting a rather sudden and colossal entrance of the kingdom of God into this world. If you go back and read the prophecies in the Old Testament, you can understand why the, they expected it. As a matter of fact, some people who read through the Bible say, how come Jesus didn't bring everything in the complete totality that we read about in the Old Testament? Well, one great way to understand it is uh, by understanding a principle uh, that scholars call the two-mountain theory. In other words, when we're driving up to the mountains, uh, we often think we're seeing one giant mountain. But as we get closer, we realize we're actually looking at two mountains, one right in front of the other. It looks like just one mountain, but in reality, there is a considerable amount of distance between the first mountain, which is lower, and the second mountain, which is much higher. This is the way we understand the difference between the Old Testament prophecies, or if you will, the expectations of first century people of God, and what Jesus' ministry looked like during his lifetime. Now, later in the New Testament, especially in the book of Revelation, we see that that bigger mountain is coming, that total change is coming. And so when Jesus talks about the kingdom coming like a mustard seed, he's trying to correct that misunderstanding that it must not be the kingdom if it is not mammoth, like a tidal wave of God's work in this world. And so that's helpful for us uh, to see. Secondly, this parable is saying that even though it starts differently than you might expect, smaller than you might expect, it will continue to grow. Now, I know here in 2021, we are aware that it grew past just the ministry of Jesus or the ministry of Jesus and his 12 uh, apostles or Jesus, the 12 apostles, and maybe 150 other people that traveled with him or perhaps even a thousand that would have called themselves followers of Jesus uh, by the time that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. And yet, look at the number of people who are followers of Jesus in the world today. It has spread to every continent in the world, and billions of people claim to be Christians in our world. That is a significant amount of growth. But when Jesus gave this parable, 
they, they did not have the benefit of knowing how the 2,000 years since had really panned out. But what he was saying is it will grow. And thirdly, I want us to understand about that expansive nature of the kingdom uh, is that once it grows, it provides shade and shelter. This is the idea that we see in the text when it says that the birds of the air makes, make nests in its branches. Jesus here is borrowing from language that would have been familiar to those who were very keenly aware of what the Old Testament taught. You see, birds resting in the branches is an imagery of uh, the people of God finding shade and shelter. That means that they are protected from the bright sunlight and they're protected from the elements or even from uh, enemies that uh, might be after them. Shade and shelter is very important. And we really see this language beautifully if we want to look back uh, to the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 22 through 24, we see a beautiful description of what God was going to do uh, through the people of God and for the people of God. Listen to this passage. It says, Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar, and under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches." Birds of every sort will nest. Now, in that particular context, what uh, God is uh, saying through Ezekiel is that even though the uh, sort of uh, circumstances of Israel at that moment in time were dire, uh, they were dealing with exile and oppression and famine and, and a lot of other things uh, that were going on, that in the future, he was going to start with just the sprig of a cedar tree. That is a cutting off a cedar tree, and it would grow mammoth and provide shelter for all kinds of birds. That imagery is talking about it being, the, in other words, the kingdom of God in the future, being a place where uh, people from all nations will be able to find shade and shelter in its branches. Here, Jesus, when talking about uh, the kingdom, uh, using this parable of the mustard seed and that grows into a tree, he's borrowing from that language. But wow, what a twist. He doesn't say it will be like a cedar, which of course grows high into the sky, but he says it will be like a mustard plant. Now, a mustard plant was very common. Almost everyone who had a garden would have had one because uh, a mustard, uh, the mustard seeds and, and the mustard itself was useful for all kinds of things. And so they were all familiar with it. Uh, these trees, these shrubbery, if you will, would have grown between 10 and 15 feet, and they certainly did provide shade and shelter uh, for birds. But even in the use of this analogy, sort of echoing the language from back in Ezekiel, Jesus is saying that the kingdom is going to come in a surprising way. Now, I think that's very helpful for a couple of reasons. Let's think just for a second about the expansive nature of the kingdom. 
I think, first of all, we need to be thankful for this teaching because it reminds us that God superintends the growth of his kingdom. You see, we live in a time right now that I think many Christians, especially in North America, are growing discouraged because they have seen people leaving the church. They have seen churches that are closing their doors. It seems as though the tide has turned on Christianity. But we need to remember that Jesus says the kingdom is going to be like that little mustard seed. It's always going to be growing, and it will grow more and more expansive over time. While we not may not be able to personally see it in the, the space that we see, it's spreading around the globe to new tribes and new languages and all of the rest because the Spirit of God is superintending this expansive, surprising growth uh, of the kingdom of God. I think secondly, when we think about the expansive growth of the kingdom, we need to remember that just like Jesus's use of this parable would have been a little bit of a twist or a surprise on the expectations of his original hearers, that the kingdom of God today still grows in surprising ways. Now, I have to remember that because I'm a big fan of charts where you can track the linear progress of something. And when I think about kingdom growth, I like to think about it as a predictable sort of progressive growth that happens predictably over time. But, you know, God superintends his kingdom in such a way that it grows exactly the way he wants it to grow, when he wants it to grow, and through the means that he wants it to grow. But it is growing and will grow. And that is a comfort to us. It enables us not to lose heart, regardless of the circumstances that may be in our immediate vicinity. How encouraging is that? about the expansive nature of the kingdom. That means that as we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we do so in hope, knowing that Jesus has declared that his kingdom will always be an expansive kingdom. But secondly, as we look at this second parable, the parable of the leaven, uh, we see that it is a pervasive nature of the kingdom. We want to look at the pervasive nature of the kingdom. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, this uh, Bible translation, the ESV, properly translates it leaven. You see, when we think about something that permeates the dough, we normally think of yeast. And of course, that's what's in leaven. But leaven is actually uh, not a little packet of very uh, carefully developed and produced uh, yeast that we rip open and pour into dough to enable it to rise. Leaven is probably more like, uh, you know, friendship bread, uh, you know, that uh, I believe it's sourdough bread that people keep in jars and smells really interesting that you can grow by feeding and then you can share with other people. And because it has basically had uh, that leaven, that yeast that's grown in it, when you share a piece of that with someone else, you're sharing that naturally developed, uh, you know, uh, rising agent 
as you share a piece of the dough. And so when that person mixes it in with the, with the appropriate ingredients, that yeast will spread through the rest of the dough. So this is the illustration that Jesus is using. And as we think about uh, the way the kingdom grows pervasively, first of all, by using the example of leaven, Jesus is giving us an example of a kind of growth and expansion toward pervasiveness that is invisible to the naked eye. Whenever we put yeast in our dough or use leaven, we can't see how that rising agent is spreading through the dough, but it is spreading through the dough, even though we can't see it. Isn't that encouraging? As we pray for the growth of God's kingdom in the world and in our lives, we may not always be able to discern the nature of that growth, but we know that it's growing, even if it's invisible uh, to us. Secondly, it is unstoppable. You know, you can't stop <laughs> leaven from leavening the dough once you apply it. It will keep spreading all through the dough. Now, here in the parable that Jesus uses, uh, he says that she takes a little leaven and she puts it into three measures of flour. Three measures of flour is over 50 pounds of flour. That is enough to feed well over 100 people if they're filling up on bread. What Jesus is saying, it takes just a little bit to infiltrate all of that 50 pounds of flour. And that is encouraging to me. You know, because to be honest, having to do these messages from the Bible uh, over the podcast and over our YouTube channel and, and this sort of uh, tools, you know, I have wondered oftentimes, is this actually being useful? Because it's not just me doing it, but people all over the world. And the reality is that the kingdom of God, the spread of the kingdom of God is unstoppable. No matter what law nations make, no matter what attitude the culture may have, the kingdom of God is unstoppable, just like the leaven is unstoppable in a batch of flour. It will permeate the whole, as Jesus says. It is a pervasive kingdom of God. Thirdly, I want us to see that this will, uh, this pervasive nature of the kingdom will affect everyone. Now, I know that this is something that is difficult for us to see now, as we know many people who are unaffected or at least seem to be unaffected by the kingdom. But yet, when you look at the end of the story, as I've already mentioned, which is in the book of Revelation, you see this beautiful expression that tells us that in the future, the kingdom will have pervaded everyone and everywhere. Listen to this statement from Revelation chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. In other words, the Bible tells us that there will come a day, a day when Jesus returns and the whole world will be the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. 
In other words, this leaven will keep spreading until it affects everyone. Now, our our goal, our uh, sort of hope, is that we can be a part of it spreading to people in a positive way. You see, his kingdom will rule. The kingdom will spread and will affect everyone, but it will not affect everyone in the same way. To those who have uh, believed in Jesus, embraced his kingship and his kingdom, they will actually have great joy and privilege and pleasure whenever that time comes, as I mentioned in Revelation. But for those who reject it, those who refuse to participate in it, those who have no time for it, they will be on the outside, and it will affect them because the Bible says that they will be cast away from the presence of God forever. It will affect everyone. That's why we tell as many people as we can right now about how wonderful and loving God is, that he became a man and the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus not only taught us beautifully and did marvelous miracles, but he also lived a perfect life. And at the end of that perfect life, which none of us could ever or have ever lived, he went and he died on a cross, not because he had done anything wrong, but because we have done things wrong since the time we were born. And if God treated us the way we deserve based on our words and our thoughts and our actions, he would definitely cast us away from his presence. And yet on the cross, we hear Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In a sense, Jesus was the one cast off on the cross from God so that we could be embraced, that we could become a part of God's family, his son, his daughter. And then on the third day after his death, he rose from the grave to show that he had paid everything necessary for us to be in God's family, that he had ensured us that we could enjoy his power working through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, if we believe in him, and that we can be guaranteed an eternal life of pleasure and presence in with God. And that is just amazing. You see, this is the way we want to communicate to people so that they can joyfully be a part of this pervasive kingdom. But lastly, as we look at the pervasiveness of the kingdom, I want us to look that there are really two aspects of this pervasiveness that are very helpful for us to consider. First of all, we need to consider the global pervasiveness, which I've really been talking about already by looking uh, there in Revelation and uh, talking about it as we have, but there's also a personal pervasiveness. You see, when the good news of the gospel of Jesus is accepted, is believed by someone, it doesn't stay just in their head. It moves from their head to their heart as they embrace it with joy and faith. And then it pervades every part of their life. People say, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, to be a Christian, you simply have to believe. But if you believe, if you bring the leaven of the kingdom into your life by faith, it will spread and affect every single part of your life. 
It will change the way you talk. It will change the way you treat other people. It will change the way you think about your work, the way you think about raising your children, the way you think about relating to your parents. It will change the way you think about your time and your week and everything else because the kingdom through the power of the Spirit will permeate our entire life. That is the way it's supposed to be. Now, let's be honest, it never happens perfectly in this life, but it will one day. When Jesus returns, not only will the whole earth be his kingdom, but we will be his uh, siblings, his brothers and sisters. We will be his servants, his subjects, perfectly. We will do, say, and think only what is honoring to him And that's because the kingdom is going to pervade every part of our lives. Between now and that time in which we meet Jesus face to face, either through the end of our life or his coming, we continue to pray and uh, submit ourselves to the work of the Spirit that every part of us might look more and more like Jesus and reflect his rule in our life. Now, Paul talks about it over in Ephesians uh, as the fruit of the Spirit, you know, and that's one way to talk about it. The reality is the kingdom will absolutely pervade every part of our life. Isn't that a great thought? How have you seen the kingdom of God grow in your life? What are things you used to say or think or do that you really get no pleasure from thinking, saying, or doing. What are those things you never did before that you now find exciting and something you look forward to to do just because you love Jesus? These are great ways to find areas that we can be thankful for the way the kingdom of God has pervaded our life through the work of the Spirit. I pray that you can think of many ways. If you can't think of any ways because you have not really given yourself to Jesus and his kingdom, that leaven of the kingdom, if you will, has never gotten into your life so that it might spread. Wouldn't today be a great day for you to recognize that on your own You'll be affected by the kingdom, but not in a positive way, and that you can actually enjoy all of the blessing of God by recognizing who Jesus is and what he's done for you, by repenting of your sin that is your rebellion against God, and embracing the forgiveness that is through Jesus. Wouldn't today be a great day for that pervasive process to begin in your life? I pray that it will be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word and pray even now that you will bless us, that the kingdom of Jesus will continue to spread in our life, in our world, and that it will grow and grow until it fills the whole earth. May we be a part of that in whatever way you enable us and call us to be a part of it. And may we continue to rejoice in your work, in our life and world, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we studied God's Word together today. 
We love hearing from you. Uh, we put the information on the screen so you can go to our website or you can send us an email. You can find information on our website about how uh, to call us or have a conversation with us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how you're doing and how we can pray for you. Please get in contact uh, with us. We would love that. And now I want you to leave with a blessing. This blessing comes from God's Word. It's the way we end our time together every week because I want you to be blessed. So hear this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.